Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon out of James chapter 3 titled, Live Well, Live Wisely, Live Humbly. Love is the art of selflessly serving others, ignited by the desire to uplift them, just as Jesus envisioned. Listening to Jesus' wisdom, love blossoms within us, leading us to inquire, understand, and support others with boundless compassion. Embracing all with impartiality, we offer mercy when life's hurdles arise, reflecting Jesus' grace. Through humility and guidance, we become a beacon of love and kindness, soaring in productivity, making a profound impact on lives around us, and inspiring the world with our extraordinary journey of faith. Uh, If you are new or visiting with us this morning, welcome. Uh, We believe three things as a church, and these these. This vision is what guides our decision-making. It's what guides uh, our directions. It's what guides our spending, who we hire, what we do next. Uh, Our priorities at church, and it all comes from Isaiah 61. God is the God who binds up the brokenhearted. God is the God who takes dead people, us, and brings us back to life. Literally, we are... We are the people who have had our, our dead bones put back to life by Jesus. Amen? And so uh, we do three things at this church, and we believe three things at this church. And number one, we believe that there is always hope beyond our brokenness, and that's what we're doing. We try and bring hope beyond our people's brokenness no matter where they are, no matter what's going on. So if you feel like your marriage is broken, uh, go to Mike and Joni Stalins. Go to the marriage retreat, and through the Holy Spirit, they will help you. Uh, and bring restoration to your marriage. Uh, if you feel like your kids are broken, take them to youth group. Um, and because after spending Friday with the, at the kids at Universal Studios with Joe, I can tell you, uh, oh, no, I didn't add the sermon. Well, maybe I did. I don't know. They're, they're asking me to read this big television that they bought in the back, which has a message which I'm ignoring. So that, that, was, that was a good, that was a good uh, thing. Uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. It's okay. Uh, Anyways, uh, so it's in my computer, which is at home, obviously. Um, so, so the what was I saying? Oh, uh, if your pastor if your pastor needs hope beyond his brokenness, then then uh, it's here. So uh, we we also get to trust our risen Savior, and trusting Jesus is. I, what, I'm going to preach on this, but it's so important. Uh, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Riches I heed not. What the heck does that mean? It means I'm, I'm not chasing after wealth or man's empty praise. Uh, I can firmly tell you that that's not my life. That I totally want to be rich. <laughs> and I want you to love me all the time. And what we're learning as a church, and what I'm learning, is that that kind of self-ambition is like signing up to eat a buffet out of a dumpster compared to knowing Jesus. That thou and thou only, you, Jesus, and you only, are king of my heart. You're the treasure. You're enough. And it takes time to learn that, and we do that together, and that's what trusting Jesus looks like. When we're dead and we would want to pretend that we're not, and when we're crying out to God, here's my shame and here's my grave, turn it, God, into a garden. Amen? And then finally, we get to bring restoration to those who are broken. And we get to experience this in our own lives, 
here as a church. Um, we get to do this with people who don't belong to this church. We get to do it with molting human beings who are shedding their exoskeletons and turning into um, pupas. Those are called junior hires and high schoolers. They're not quite butterflies. That happens after your cerebral cortex is fully formed and you're 26. Um, so that's how that game works. Uh, so, or like me when you're 46. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you become a pupa for longer. Um, but we're doing amazing things together. By the way, men's ministry, uh, one of the things that we do is that we're always picking a project of how to bring restoration to a space or to a family's life. So if you want to come to men's ministry, show up on the breakfast on Saturday, but then also as we continue to hang out and get to know each other, we're literally planning how to resurrect spaces and situations for people. So that's what we do at men's ministry. Each one of these truths has a choice. Let's declare our choice together. Are you ready? Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen. I'm pretty sure I did uh, put, the, put it in. Can you not find it? Look harder. Uh, okay. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, let me uh, remind you what James has just said. Uh, and he's speaking to the church, which has been deeply hurt by intense persecution. Now, this is really important. James is talking to a bunch of people whose lives have been wrecked. Okay? And he's telling them, just because your life has been set on fire by another human being doesn't mean that you, should, you get to set another person's life on fire. He says, your tongue can set your life on fire, and we all stumble and fail to control our tongue, so be careful. Your words shape your life and steer your future. Amen? Amen. So that's what James said last week. And I made the point that even when we've been hurt, we need the courage to admit that when we're wrong, even when we've been hurt, we need to still have the faith to listen to God again, right? Even when we've tried and risked in our relationships and, and people have hurt us, we need to have the courage to be vulnerable so that we don't either swing from being totally defensive when someone confronts us, or all the way to martyr, right? Yeah? Amen? Great. When someone tells you you've singed them, right, with your words, their words, you need to have that. That's James's word to us last week. And so everyone, when they're reading the verses that we read last week, that your tongue is like a fire and it burns and all that kind of stuff, then every single Christian across history, the last 2,000 plus years has read that and goes, okay, what do we do next, James? Like, that don't make no sense. Like, well, that does make sense, but like, how can we do? You're saying I'm stumbling and falling, so I don't have, the, the passage isn't to demand perfection and performance out of your mouth, but how do I like, what do I do? And so that's what today is. So, do I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts? Yes. Would that be okay? Yes. Can I? Yeah? You sure? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, help. Again, renew our armor. Uh, give us ears to hear. Awaken us. 
and just bind up and cast out anything opposed to Christ that would be seeking to uh, mess with this time. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so we're going to start in James chapter 3, verse 13, and it goes like this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. Well, I'll just read the screen. You can project it. There you go. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Okay? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Who wants to have a good life? Who wants to be wise? Who wants to be understanding? Okay, great. We're all in the same boat. So what do you do? First, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility. I like this because it's practical, right? This is about your actions, not just your intentions, okay? Um, So this is helpful because James is saying that the way forward isn't uh, by the endless... uh, Perse- uh, you know, sort of the perseveration over, oh, I'm going to try really hard, okay? It's just by simple things that you do, okay? So what does, are the simple things that James says to do? So uh, first of all, he says, by deeds done, what is that phrase? In the humility that comes from wisdom. So we have no idea what that means when we read Scripture. We just go, that makes sense, and then we read the next verse hoping that we'll understand more. And so when you don't understand something in Scripture, it's really important to slow down and just understand what those words are and then put them together, and all of a sudden, you'll preach a sermon to yourself. It's amazing. Um, and then be careful because then God will take you through that that week. Um, every week. Um, so... What's humility that comes from wisdom? So first of all, what's humility? Humility is your strength that is focused. Um, It is directed. It's under control. That's what humility is. Humility is the war horse with a bit in its mouth so that it can be directed. It's profound strength, but directed. Does that make sense? That's humility. Humility is the ease with which you can talk about your strengths and your weaknesses, okay? But it's under control. It's heading in a particular direction, and it's willing to have the rider be in charge. That's humility. Can you be directed, right? Like when I was a baseball player, when I was in, gosh, what was it, seventh grade, I could, throw the, I could throw a fastball at 82 miles an hour, which isn't fast, but for a seventh grader, it was fast. I had zero control. <laughs> I mean, I could throw 83 miles an hour at, like, the coach or <laughs> your head or over the backstop, but if you wanted a strike, it was maybe 50 miles an hour, okay? That was the end of my baseball career, right? That was... That I was like, oh, I need to put it in a location particular. Oh, then, you know, that was it. I stopped playing after that. Uh, so how do you have humility, right? How, how, how can we be people who are willing to say, God, you're smarter than me. You know more than I do. You are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. And what you say, why do we have to repeat that 75,000 times? It's because we don't believe it. 
It's because we say, no, I want to direct what I want to do because God's not good and I know what I'm going to do. And then every time we do that, it works for seven seconds and then disaster. So that's why we sing it over and over and over again so that it could sink down, 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 down. And we go, okay, I'm willing to believe that God has good things for me. So if I'm willing to believe that God has good things for me, then we, then we need wisdom. And what we've talked about last couple of weeks about wisdom in the book of James is this. Wisdom is literally asking Jesus what to do. It's literally, it's slowing down. It's not rushing decisions. It's not rushing actions. But it's first praying to God and then saying, I'm willing to follow your answer. I'll have the humility. It's, I'm, see, there's one thing about praying to God, right? We pray to God and we say, God, help. We think, okay, check, box checked. But then he provides help and we're like, I don't need your help. I'll do what I want to do. No, no, the humility that comes from wisdom, wisdom is asking God what to do and then not doing anything until he tells you what to do. Does that make sense? I love us as a, as a people. It's fantastic what we do. Doctor prescribes us medication. 60% of people actually fill the medication. Of the 60% of people that fill the medication, 40% of us take the medication. Of the 40% of us that take the medication, only 22% of us actually read the directions and take it the way that we should. Do you know how small that is? That's like... 0.00002% of us have humility that comes from wisdom. Now, with our pets, 98% of us fill the prescriptions. And of the 98% that fill the prescriptions, 96 force the pet to take it according to the vet's direction. So amazing. So to build the amazing, so just put it all together, we're still in the first sentence of James chapter 3, verse 13. Put it all together to build the amazing God, life that God wants for you, to have wisdom and understanding and a beautiful life. You, the first steps are to have the humility to say, God, where would you have me go? And then listen and then obey. And you might be thinking, Andy, are you literally asking me to ask Jesus to tell me what to do? Absolutely. (laughs) Every sheep knows the voice of his shepherd. Every child knows the voice of their parent. And remember, Jesus isn't speaking to you in a different language, right? Andale, apuridísimo. Donde vas? ¿Qué pasó? He's not speaking a language that you don't understand. He's not saying, Bindabai, Akhtun, right? He's not like, it's not a trick. He's not like, oh, I'm going to tell her one thing, but I mean something else. Ha, 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 ha. We'll see if she can figure that one out. No. Like, Jesus knows when you can't hear, when you don't want to hear, when you're having a hard time hearing, when you're confused, when you're full of trust or totally unwilling to trust. And so Jesus is going to help you listen, if you're willing to listen. So when you pray and you're like, I don't know what to do, God, 
He's going to speak to you not only in his own voice in your heart that you will hear, and yes, it sounds like your own because you live inside your body. If it doesn't sound like your voice, call me. We'll take our meds together. <laughs> Notice I said our, so like, I'm with you, got you, okay? So, uh, so it'll sound like your voice, but it'll feel like Jesus, and your words will be according to Scripture, but if you can't hear him at that particular time, he's going to give you friends, he's going to give you songs, he's going to give you movie lines, he's going to give you literal billboards that will show you what you're supposed to do. He's gonna, you're going to hear it over and over and over again. And if you're willing to listen, then you will. So this is really important. When a fly ball is hit to the outfield, the first thing that a major league uh, outfielder does is nothing. They pause to judge the ball just for a second to see where it's going, and then they go. What they're doing in that is that they're harnessing their strength. There's a humility that says, first I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to go. So the humility that comes from wisdom is saying, first I'm going to wait, God, what would you have me do, and then I'm going to go. When you build anything, wisdom is creating a plan. Humility is following that plan. Does that make sense? I do that all the time with woodworking projects. I have a plan. Ah, wisdom. I'm not going to follow that. <laughs> Pride. Humility that comes from wisdom is here's the plan. Now I'm going to follow it. Okay? When you're starting your day, ask Jesus for wisdom. Submit your, your, your day to Jesus and say, I'm all yours today. Use me as you see fit. When you're about to have a conversation, literally pray, Help me listen to you, Jesus. Like, show me what to say. When you're entering into a situation, you say, Jesus, go before me. Help me. I don't know what to do. What is James saying? He's saying, build your life with Jesus. Step by step. All throughout the day. That's what Paul means when he says, pray without ceasing. So what would you have next for me, Jesus? What would you like? Now, you might say, okay, Andy, I don't need, like... Jesus to tell me how to paint a wall. I already know how to do that. I don't need Jesus to tell me how to change a diaper. I'm already doing that a lot. I don't need Jesus to tell me how to, like, you know, get up or put my pants on. Like, what are you asking me to do? You're like, how do I put my pants on, Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. Um, You might know what to do when it comes to your tasks, so enjoy his presence in it. If you know what to do and the task is really straightforward in front of you, chances are you're probably doing that with someone. So maybe Jesus has you praying so that you can be the kind of person that they need today. Does that make sense? Inviting Jesus into your day doesn't mean like, how do I pour my coffee, God? You know, like you know how to do that. But maybe it's having coffee with your spouse or with your kid or texting a friend because you're asking Jesus, what would you have for me during this time? Or maybe it's just listening to the stillness of his love and care for you. So if you don't, there's another option. And James is now going to show us what happens when you don't build your life with Jesus. And this here's verse 14. But if you, read this with me, but if you harbor 
bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. So we all want a good life. You either build with God or you build with bitter envy and selfish ambition. And you say, well, that's kind of harsh, Andy. I don't think I'd do that. Well, let me tell you why you do. Every week I go through this, and I think this doesn't apply to me, and then it does. So here we go. Uh, if you're not building your life with God, your first response is, I want something good, and then you see other people have it, and then you say to yourself, I want that. You know what that's called? Envy. But I'm not bitter about it, Andy. Yeah, you are. Why? Because you're trying to get that, and then people get in the way. Right? I mean, I love my job except for the people. Ah, right? Isn't that how we feel half the time? It's like, like, life on earth would be great if there weren't anybody in it. Like, ugh. Right? right? So people are always getting in the way of what it is that we want. And then what we do is we foolishly go it alone. And then so we say, well, I want it to be about my ambition, my, that's self-ambition, right? I want me to get bigger. I want it to go well for me. I want it to be about me, right? That's what selfish ambition is. You might think to yourself, well, I'm not trying to be CEO. I'm not trying to, like, crush other people. What does that mean? How about this? Um, I always have a story that beats your story. Do you have that story, too? Right? Somebody says something, you're like, oh, I do the same thing, just a little bit better. <laughs> I've been through something bad like that. It's just a little bit worse. That's just selfish ambition. You're just trying to make yourself look good, right? Um, I wanted our bedroom door in our house to automatically close. Why? Uh, because the dog kept on eating everything in our room. Right? I think April lost all of her underwear in one week. Uh, so I kept on telling her not to throw it on the floor. But, uh, sorry. Bitter, bitter, bitter envy. Uh, but it wasn't just that. It was shoes. It was, it was pants. It was the whole nine yards. And so what was my solution? My solution was to take the automatic door closer from the, from the garage and to put it on the bedroom door. And um, so what did I do? I did not ask for help. I did not have a plan. I did not purchase the correct hinge. What I did is I chiseled out uh, a hole in the door frame because I have chisels because I would work here, allegedly. And, uh, and I put that door closed hinger thing on and, and I did it quick. I was going to go fast because... I knew what I wanted, and there I was just going to make it happen, right? If it doesn't work the first time, just use more force. You know, that's, uh, that's how that works. And um, not only did my solution not work, but if you come to my house, you can see huge chunks that are missing out of the casing around uh, our bedroom door. And that's a testimony to my uh, envy and selfish ambition. And yes, I'm still bitter about it. Here's a horrible reality, okay? 
you can't accomplish something that you want in your life by yourself without God. And then here's what's terrible. You'll begin to believe that it works. And then you'll do it again, and it might work again. And what you're blind to is how other people feel working alongside of you. Not fun. Um, and you've all been around coworkers that you just don't want to be around anymore, right? Give me an amen, Jake. Amen, amen right? Yeah. Uh, I talk to Jake all the time. He laments. Uh, uh, it's a man of grief and sorrow at uh, his work. But maybe that's what you're like, right? Uh, maybe that's what's... Maybe, maybe you have people in your family that are just really tough to be around. And they don't know it. And you're like, give me cancer now, God. Was that too, is that, is that too much? Is that too much? Oh, a headache? Oh, okay, yeah. No, that's a lie. You're like, Lord, please end this somehow with an insurance payout, right? Because that's what we feel like sometimes. When people are so hard, we're just like, I, I just need this to change now somehow. That's what happens. That's what happens when you try and do it by yourself. Yeah, it'll, it, it, it'll be really tough on everybody else. But the thing is, is that you'll think that you'll have accomplished that task, and then so then you'll start doing that more and more often. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. You don't want to work with me when I'm running fast. You don't want to work with me when I'm trying to do it all by myself. You don't want to work with me when I have power and control. I'm obnoxious. If anybody's on staff, say amen. Now's the time. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Joe and Debbie going strong. Right? I love it. Amen, Matt. Amen. Yeah, 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 right. Just wait, Kurt. You know, so glad you're hired here. Uh, that's right. That's right. Verse 15 says this: "Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual." What's the last word? Yeah, yeah. For wherever you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. Literally, you can do it with God or you can act like a demon or even get demons to help you. Oh, I'll get anger to help me or I'll get pride to help me. I'll get selfishness to help me. I'll get entitlement to help me. That's what we do. It's either with God or not. Those are the only two options. Um, James says, if you do it all by yourself, you'll find disorder in every evil practice. What does that mean? Well, making something happen all by myself brings chaos and craziness, a.k.a. disorder. Why? It's because when I go it alone, disagreements will happen. Have you ever started a project with anybody, and the first thing you do is argue with them about how to even start the project? <laughs> right? Listen, I think we should set it up this way. No, I think it should be this way. No, I think it should be this way. No, I think it should be this way. Ah! Listen, I think we should do it this way. I think we should go here. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. How about this? No, I don't want to go there. How about this? No, I don't want to go there. Ah, we always go there. On and on and on and on and on. So what's happening? 
I'm making mistakes because I'm rushing. I'm making mistakes because I'm trying to do it by myself. I'm making my mistakes because I want it my way and only about my way because it's my selfish ambition. I'm bitter and angry at you because you're getting in the way of what I want. And what does that create? Chaos and disorder. So now before I even start, I have to clean up a mess. And then you clean up a mess and clean up a mess. Have you ever wanted to cook anything in your kitchen and dishes are everywhere? Chaos is everywhere. Oh, please say yes. Have you ever wanted to find laundry and it's like, there's the mountain and it's all dirty, right? Have you ever like walked into your shop or your garage and looking to start a simple project. I just want to put this on this, and I've just spent four hours cleaning up everything I didn't clean up before. That's the chaos and disorder of going it by yourself. But now it's in your relationships. It's either with God or not. There's a new movie coming out called Oppenheimer. It's about the creation. If you've, if you've seen it, don't give it away, right? There's a bomb, and it might go off. Um, so Robert Oppenheimer is the, the lead of the project to build the atomic bomb that ended World War II, ushered in our nuclear age. Oppenheimer was so terrified that, he, that the U.S. would misuse the power of the atomic bomb that he had family members who were working on it in at Los Alamos, in that little tiny town, uh, that he had family members there leak the plans to the Russians. Did you know that? Might change your thoughts about the movie. Robert Oppenheimer spent the next 20 years of his life apologizing to the world for creating the nuclear bomb, but he thought that it would be better if two countries had the nuclear bomb. That way, the idea of mutually assured destruction would never happen and that there could be peace and uh, uh, nobody would nuke each other or the United States wouldn't just keep on nuking everybody to get its own way. So that was Oppenheimer thinking, I'll fix this. I'll prevent this bad thing from happening on my own. He was not listening to God at all. Because everybody who ever lived in East Germany had Robert Oppenheimer to thank for that. And all of the horrors of life behind the Roman curtain and the millions of Christians killed in Romania and on and on and on all happened because the Russians had the bomb and they could do whatever they want in their country. That's chaos that comes from us going it alone and not asking God, what would you have me do? Does that make sense? Now, I know you're probably not building a nuclear bomb right now. If you are, again, let's talk after church and we'll compare our plans. Um, So why does James then say that every evil practice will happen when we go it alone? Because in the chaos and in the craziness, I'm going to get angry at you and you're going to get angry at me and then I'll blame you and you'll blame me. And then I'll get bitter, and you'll get bitter at me. And then I'll lie about how I feel and what I want, and so will you. And the distance will increase between us. And I'll try and manipulate you, or you'll try and shut me down. 
And we've all experienced a version of this with people in our lives. They'll be driven by an outcome. They're trying to make something happen on their own for their own selfishness. And when they hurt us, what do they say? I didn't mean to. That wasn't my intention. And they're technically right and also completely wrong. Because very few of us actually set out to hurt one another. If you are feeling that way, let's talk. And <laughs> afterwards, I'm, I'm so excited to talk with so many of you <laughs> after church. Rarely, almost never, do we as followers of Jesus set out to intentionally wreck someone. But what we don't see is that our selfish ambition, us trying to do it all by ourselves and our bitter envy, going it completely alone, it creates so much hurt in the people that are around us. You didn't mean to help them, but your selfishness hurt them. Sorry, you didn't mean to hurt them, but your selfishness hurt them. You didn't mean to hurt them, but the chaos that came because of your self-ambition hurt them. You didn't mean to hurt them, but your own envy about what you wanted and how you were going to get it by yourself hurt them. Does that make sense? And what we, we don't want to admit the truth, right? We don't want to say, oh, I have a grave in my life, and God, I need you to turn it in the garden. What we say is, no, everything's fine here. We're like a cat in a litter box. Nothing to see. I'm all good. It's fine. Didn't happen, right? It's clumping, but it's hidden now, right? It's all good. We don't want to actually admit that this is what we do. We, how are you? Fine. Everything's good. No, I didn't mean it that way. It doesn't matter if you didn't mean it that way. If the person that you hurt is hurt, acknowledge they're hurt. So either I move forward with Jesus or I don't. And the same thing happens with all the chaos and craziness that comes from our own selfish ambition. I either clean that up with Jesus or I don't. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Verse 17. Here it is. Read this with me. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Now, pure is not a non-swearing virgin that's never had a bad day in her life, okay? That's not purity. Purity is uh, choosing to serve another person for their sake, for the best of what Jesus wants for them. If you get to talk with Debbie uh, about how it was when I was taking care of her, you will hear stories about how I served her for my sake. So I would get the brownie points of being the guy that went to 112 degrees to help Debbie recover. Aren't I magnanimous? <laughs> brownie points in my column, gold star on my chart. Yes? Purity is about doing what it takes for the other person as to what they need. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, peace then considerate, then submissive. Submissive isn't like diminutive or small or, or pointless or, or less than. Submissive is literally following directions. Right? So when we're listening to Jesus about what to do next, my heart is to bless another person. I want their peace or wholeness in their life. I'm considerate of their needs, their strengths, 
their weaknesses and my own. I'm willing to submit to the plan God has for me and also what they need, even if I don't agree with what they need when they need it. I see you're in pain. Do you want to take a pain pill? No. Take a pain pill now! (laughs) That's not how that looks. It's not me trying to control them. It's me saying, what do you need? How can I help? And then following directions. Does that make sense? It's gentle. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial. It's impartial. It's impartial. Why is that so important? Because in your life, when you don't follow what God wants for you, and you make mistakes and you hurt other people, what's his response to you? Is he impartial with his love? Yes, he is. Meaning he does not treat you based on whether or not you got an A or an F on the test. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. He's impartial with his love. He gives it to everybody, and that includes you. He loves you. He loves you. When you listen and when you don't, when you're the chaos maker or you're the victim of other people's chaos, he loves you. He's going to take your grave, and he's going to turn it into a garden. And when he's the vision of your life, be thou my vision. When your eyes and your focus are on him, he has good things for you, amazing things for you, that you will become the kind of person that will speak life and give life to other people. That's what you will do with your life. You will help them put their lives back together. And the passage from Ezekiel continues that God will take their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And you will be part of that equation in their life. It'll be your words. It'll be your prayers. It'll be your practical things that you're doing for another person to love them according to what they need that will make all the difference in their life. Amen? Amen. Jesus is constantly working for my best when I don't deserve it. He's constantly giving me peace when I don't deserve it. He's full of mercy for me because even when I'm listening and even when I'm not listening, that's what Jesus is like for me and for you. And this is the hope of the gospel, that while I was a sinner and his enemy, Jesus died for me. While I've been full of self-ambition and wanted all the riches and everybody to love me, While I've wanted it to be all about me, all I can say is in this room, it's not about me. God is doing something in me and in you that is unbelievable. And it's about his goodness, not my own. Amen? He's the celebrity here. We all stumble and fall. Our tongues will singe and burn others in our selfishness and self-ambition and our bitter envy. It'll cause pain and chaos. And so when you're in that hole in your life, you don't get out by yourself. Ask Jesus to help you. Call out to him. Cry out to him. Take a hold of the hands that are there. 
Maybe this week you'll be the one crying out. Maybe this week you'll be the one reaching down to help another. God's going to use you. So ask him. Can we do that together? Jesus, we choose the humility that comes from wisdom. God, what would you have us do today? Lord, who would you have us bless today? Lord, we're willing to be used by you today. Help, Jesus. We're willing, Jesus, to have you renew us, restore us. But Jesus, we're willing to be the words that change another person's life, to be the generosity that makes all the difference. So we say yes to you, Jesus. And God, we say yes to you, loving parts of our hearts that we've pushed you away from for too long. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You guys, we have such good food for you. Would you stand? And I really hope if you can join us at the end of Grand Avenue at 1 o'clock, we're going to baptize a bunch of people. And if you feel like today you need to get baptized in the water, I don't care if you've been baptized before. If today you want to say, my life has been resurrected, my bones got put back together again, my heart's been transformed, my faith is different than it's ever been in my life, then meet us down there uh, and bring a swimsuit and join me in the water. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to be shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance. That's his delight in you and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Jesus, bless and seal all these things in my friend's heart. Amen. Go in peace today. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.